0: Good morning. As we gather on this Wednesday in the 20th week of Ordinary Time, we're again presented with yet another beautiful story. There's different types of stories in Scripture, aren't there? There's parables, as this is introduced today. There's allegory, which is a story or a poem we know to be somewhat fictitious in nature, but it has a lesson built into it, much much like Aesop's fables. There's a, there's a lesson in there to be gathered. And Today, there's a lesson here, and it's a complex one, because there seem to be some paradoxes that are presented, and it takes a little bit of study to try to un- unfold them. We, we don't have, obviously, the luxury of all day to enjoy that, although that would be wonderful to do so. So we'll have to just pull out a few lessons if we can. God is calling. I think God is calling. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Those listening remotely didn't hear that phone. It's OK. We start with Ezekiel, though. The architects of our lectionary always give us a foundation that then has a segue into the gospel. It's a beautiful way of opening up uh, a lesson that may be available to us. And here we are in the 36th chapter of Ezekiel today. Boy, our passage begins with that beautiful phrase. But I will show you the holiness of my great name, desecrated among the nations in whose midst you desecrated. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, when through you I will show my holiness before their very eyes. I will take you away and gather you from among the lands and bring you to your own soil. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit and I I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. You will live in the land I gave to your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. Oracle of the Lord. That is a that is a statement of truth from the Creator God. And so it is today, isn't it? That the people of God are given a land, and they our ancestors in the faith, those of the Jewish faith, now live today in Israel and have that land restored to them that was an ancestral home given to them. And there they reside today, praise God. And it's likewise our case, is that we are given a home, but our Our eternal home is not here on earth, our eternal home is that with God and the angels and saints, with our Lord and Savior in heaven. And that heaven includes many banquet feasts. Today in our Gospel narrative from Matthew, we jump to the 22nd chapter. We were yesterday in the 20th chapter. And yet again, we have that that literary approach or literary technique that Matthew employs so often. In fact, this is the ninth time in his Gospel so far, we're in the 20th chapter, 22nd chapter, and in the ninth time, for the ninth time, we've heard him say, and the kingdom of God is like, so it seems that's kind of important for us to try to understand the kingdom of God is like something, and he's giving us many, many, many examples, one of which has to be appreciated by us, right? They're going to resonate, these different examples with us in different ways based on our life experiences, and so the example given today is this king who throws a great feast, And this feast is of significance because fat and calf have been slaughtered. The meal has been prepared. Invited guests have been asked to come. There's a RSVP obviously has been submitted, I would think. The banquet hall is prepared. He's the king. He's He's not some anonymous person that's unknown in the surrounding region. But come he does to this feast. And he sends out dispatches his servants to go summon those because the feast is about to start. We can imagine the setting. The candles are lit, the table is set, the servants are prepared, the kitchen's been a bustle most of the day, and yet there are no guests. The king walking around patiently. Assume there's a queen. She must be really irritated at this point. Where, where is everybody? So he sends out the servants in a hurried dispatch to go find them. But they refused to come, we're told. Banquet offered by a king. They refused to come. A second time he sent other servants, Matthew tells us, saying, Tell those invited, behold, I've prepared my banquet. My calves and fattened cattle are killed. Everything is ready. Come to the feast. No response. What do they do? Some ignored them and went on with their work, laboring in their fields or their toilsome business, whatever it was. Some of them, were told by Matthew, lay hold of his servants, mistreated them, and killed them in response to an invitation to a banquet. The king was enraged, rightly so. He sent his troops and he destroyed those murderers and he burned their city. The king was angered to the extreme. Then he said to his servants, this feast is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy to come. Go out, therefore, into the main roads and invite to the feast whomever you find. So those servants did go out. And they went into the streets and gathered all they found, bad and good alike, and the hall was filled with guests. And then the the story continues, and there's a bit of a paradox in here, because this king is enraged so much so that he's burned the very dwellings of those who refused his invitation after having killed them. He burned their house too. That's how angry he was. So then he instructs his servants to go gather anyone who will come. The feast is ready, go gather anyone who will come. That they do, and some come. Some respond to that. Can you imagine the, the commoner invited to the king's residence for a personal banquet, a private banquet? What, what an honor that would have been. But then we're told there's one among them the king notices. The king enters the banquet hall. Matthew gives us this detail. And he says it was to his hen- attendants, who is this man? He sees him. This one is not in the proper garment, the wedding garment. This would have been the appropriate, probably a white tunic would have been worn to this feast. This one is without. Well, this person may not have had a tunic. And perhaps the lesson we take from Matthew is that all of us, everyone is invited to this banquet. All of us are invited to this banquet. But this one in particular didn't take on any change in their life. Perhaps that's what this white outer garment would have represented. For us it's the white garment of baptism, isn't it? It's the white garment of baptism where we make a promise to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, to receive into us the gift of the Holy Spirit, to have that heart of stone, from Ezekiel's telling, transformed into this heart of flesh, a a, a heart that's infused with the presence and the Spirit of Christ into our heart and soul. This one refused that for some reason and didn't put on the garment which would have been available to don, but, but attempted to enter the banquet and yet remain in the world. Maybe that's the lesson we take from this. So he has him bound and thrown out into darkness where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. He concludes, many are invited, but few are chosen. In our beautiful sacrifice of the Mass, we actually reflect on this particular narrative because in the communion rite, as the consecrated gifts are held forth, we have the testimony of John the Baptist who says, behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. And then the celebrant says, Blessed are they called to the banquet of the Lord. And we say, Lord, I am not worthy, the centurion's prayer, to be at this banquet, to receive you. Let's say that it is so, and and yet it is true. I am not worthy to receive you under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul will be healed. That we celebrate every beautiful sacrifice of the Mass. Today's the feast of Saint Bernard, a man who did not know feasts. In fact, Saint Bernard come into the, came into this world joyfully in the year 1090 in, near the region of Dijon, France. He was born into royalty. His father, not a king, but a noble. But he had uh, five brothers and one sister, four of whom are blessed. And he's a saint, not bad mom and dad. Poor Blessed, a saint. Poor Andrew and Bartholomew. They uh, were not blessed. His other two brothers. But he he's educated very early, and he he's, has great acumen in academics. He he excels in school uh, very rapidly at a young age. He is being prepared to follow on in the nobility and manage his father's estates. But he elects instead not to do that. Uh, there is a large Benedictine monastery in the region, Souteau, and he's influenced by the Benedictines at Suteau. But he goes to Souteau, and then he he is um, inspired in his early work there, early experiences there. In fact, he's named to go start another house. So at a young age, he's probably at this point uh, in his late 20s, he's instructed to go establish a new monastery. And it will be called Clairvaux, the Valley of Light, Clairvaux, the Valley of Light. Clairvaux grows to become this very large Cistercian monastery. Cistercians are Benedictines who are even more strict in their life in terms of how silence is maintained. We're told in the history of, of Bernard that his, his early house, this Clairvaux that was formed, they would eat basically cold barley malt. That was what they had to eat. They they didn't have much. They lived very hard early on. Of course, they would improve on that over the years ahead, but they're very strict. It was a very strict house of prayer and life, and it was inspiring to many. Clairvaux would grow, and Bernard would grow in his fame. His preaching was renowned, so much so that both bishops and the pope would seek his counsel on how to address matters. The most Significant matter in his lifetime was known as the Albigensian heresy. The Albigensians did not believe that God would take human form. Therefore, uh, they did not believe in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. They did not believe that Jesus could have been God in human form. So that was controversial in our church, very similar to Gnosticism uh, and Albert, uh, or rather Bernard, rather, Saint Bernard spoke very specifically and taught very specifically about the, against the Albigensian heresies. He went to glory in 1153 and was not long after beatified. He knew the truth of the kingdom. He knew the truth of the banquet. So on this day as we go forward in joy, let us come to the banquet, knowing that we responded to the invitation, knowing that that invitation is for all. And it's our role and responsibility to be like those good servants of our Lord, go out into the world and invite all we meet to the banquet of our Savior. St. Bernard, pray for us.